Well, good morning, Go Church. I'm excited to be back with you today after our, our snow day. Um, today we'll pick up where we left off in the series we started last time called uh, What's Next for Go Church. But uh, given the fact that it's been a couple of weeks, it's a good idea that we start with a brief review. So two Sundays ago, we brushed over the church's vision, and as we did that, we honed in on what we aim to do to connect community with Christ. If you look up on screen, um, you'll see in the middle there our why because of love. That's the reason for everything we do in the triangle, connecting community with Christ. That's our how. That's how we do it, how we love. And then the circle around those five arrows or actions uh, is what we do to connect community with Christ. So worshiping, sharing, learning, blessing, and missionary. Last Sunday we met, I shared that I believe we have an opportunity to grow in the areas of blessing and missioneering. And we talked about how we can pursue next level blessing as a church in 2024. First, we worked through the biblical definition and motivation for blessing in Genesis 12 and Galatians 3. That's the call of Abraham in Genesis 12 saying that he'll be a blessing to all nations. And in Galatians 3 it says, Paul is basically saying, hey, that applies to us as believers. Um, and then we set a goal to bless others at the next level by becoming so well-known in Ridgefield for blessing in the surrounding regions that the community would begin to ask us first when needs became apparent. Later, I revealed how we're going to pursue that goal this year by adding the tools of public prayer and plant partnering by upgrading our current tool of community service projects. Today... I am very excited to talk with you about how we can take what we're doing in the area of missioneering to the next level. But before we jump straight into part two, I do want to say one more thing about what was shared last week. The bottom line is that while I did lay out a plan for how we are going to pursue next level blessing this year at Go Church, I don't want anyone to accidentally confuse what we will do with why we should want to do it. To a large degree, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They held on tighter to their plan to accomplish God's law than they did to having a proper heart for God in the first place. In other words, they became so concerned with doing that they completely forgot about being. And that's relevant because last Sunday and this Sunday are, are really focused heavily on the doing part of the equation. So I need you to remember with me that what we say and do for Christ should always come out of and flow out of our relationship with him. With that understanding, the first thing I want to do is to draw a, a distinction between what we talked about last Sunday and what we're going to talk about today. Oftentimes in both scripture and in practice, blessing and missioneering go hand in hand. Even in our vision statement, they're side by side. So what's the difference? Why do we need to do both? Well, Considering the fact that we've already defined what blessing is last Sunday, let's talk about what missioneering is. I should probably start with the fact that missioneering is actually a made-up word. So just in case you're going to use that in a game of Scrabble later, I mean, that would be an absolute winner if it was a real word, but it's not. Somebody's going to challenge you on that, and you're going to get lost. So I just want to warn you about that. Made-up word. But the reason for that is because the words mission and missional communicate a sort of passiveness, while missionary communicate this idea of continual action that we want to engage in. It isn't about sitting around. It's about doing something. But so is blessing. In fact, both actions are about going out and sharing out of our relationship with Christ. So again, what's the difference? 
Well, in short, missioneering is all about saying the words of the gospel in and through whatever we are doing, and blessing is all about sharing the goodness of God with others. Blessing might make someone's day, it might change someone's life, but missioneering has the potential to make dead people alive. The reality is that we can bless people's socks off in this community and beyond, but if we never get to the part about Jesus, if we never say the words, we're just like any other humanitarian organization out there. And there's nothing wrong with those organizations, but we need to understand and believe that the church was meant to be and to do so much more. Just look at the example of Jesus and the miraculous feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15. Most of us remember that part about the bread and the fish being lifted up in baskets in Sunday school, the physical needs of the people being met. But have you ever noticed before that Jesus also met their spiritual needs? Right before the miracle, the fish and the bread, it says in Matthew 15, 29 through 31, that Jesus healed many in that very same crowd and that they were so overwhelmed by it that they were giving glory to the God of Israel. So Jesus didn't just give them the bread they knew they needed. He gave them the bread he knew that they needed. He gave the people the spiritual bread of life, but he also gave them the physical bread of a basket. He did both, and we must do both as well. But that leads us to the question of motivation. Is missionarying a have to or a get to? Pastors, preachers, and theologians look at the sad state of our country and they conclude that the church has grown too quiet, that we all need a good kick in the rear. But I'm not so sure that's the right way to go about it. We've all heard the message plenty of times. You are commanded to share the gospel. And while I do understand where that is coming from completely, I would have to say that I see a problem with that kind of message. The main issue that I see is that it inaccurately diagnoses what our problem is with sharing the gospel in the first place. You see, an assumption is being made that we consider evangelism as optional instead of imperative. And while that is undoubtedly an issue for some, I am sure, I would venture to say that a lot of us know it's imperative. We already know we're supposed to share the gospel as Christians. The actual problem is, that's all we know. We know the command to go and make disciples, and we know that we could do a lot better at doing it. And so we feel guilty. And we might even hear a sermon from time to time that reminds us that we're still guilty. But in reality, that's about the end of it. So I'm convinced that what we need is not another reminder about the command to share the gospel, but a heart check as to why we don't want to. Why would we not want to share the best thing there ever was or ever will be? Why would why would we not want to go out and tell people about the truth that has set us free, that has made us joyful, the truth that means we get to be the blessed children of God? Why don't we seek to share it with a passion that matches the effect it has had on our lives? My point is, if we think of missionaring as a have to, then we've completely missed the point. Because missionaring is a get to. From my observation, looking at the state of the nation and feeling guilty for dropping the ball on evangelism gets very little done. In fact, it may even add to the problem because the real problem is that we have a heart issue. We have a life issue. We have a love issue. Jesus loved the lost. But do we really love the lost? 
When Jesus called Levi to be one of his disciples in Luke 5, Levi had a banquet for Jesus, and the Pharisees caught him in their company and complained that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus heard them and replied with these words in Luke 5, 31 through 32. He said, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you know why Jesus calls sinners to repentance? Because he loves them. Because he doesn't want to see them continue down the path that they are on. Because he doesn't want them to face the judgment of God. But again, I ask, what about us? Is that how we feel? Because church, the reality is that many of us don't want to feel that kind of love for the lost. And that's because we don't want to take on the overwhelming burden of their eternal destiny. The reason for that is simple. When you choose to love someone, their choices affect you. Parents of rebellious kids know this well. When you love someone who doesn't make good choices, it brings you pain. That's why we're afraid to love the lost like we could. Because we're afraid of the pain that we think it will bring So we keep ourselves at arm's length from the lost because we don't want to think about where they're headed without Jesus. And we don't want to feel responsible. And that's the real issue. It's in here. That's why we don't like to pray about it. And that's like why we don't want to do more. But the thing is that our fear of loving the lost actually comes from two misunderstandings about our responsibility. When it comes to sharing the gospel, we often take on responsibility that isn't ours and add it on top of the responsibility that is ours. And we do that in two ways. First of all, instead of realizing that every believer is called to share the gospel with the specific people that God has placed in their lives, we feel this pressure that everybody should share the gospel at all times with everybody, everybody else. I can remember this hitting me particularly hard when I was in seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I believe Alistair Begg actually had just gotten up to to preach a wonderful message on evangelism, sharing our faith. But after he preached, I just, I felt a burden come on me. I just, I went into the contemplation mode. My my wife knows what that means. Um, I was just kind of staring at the wall. I just had to sort some things out inside. And I began to feel this unshakable weight. And I began to think about all the people I could have shared with in my life that I hadn't. And I began to think about all the people that I could share with in the future. And uh, it hit me pretty hard. I, honestly, I was shaking for a couple of days, just this, this burden. And uh, I remember praying to God, how am I supposed to do this? How can I do this? It just seems like too much. But then the light bulb came on and God answered me. He said, you're right, you can't do it. And that's why there's a church. And that's when I came to the freeing realization that if evangelism is a sport, then it's a team sport. And the team is all of us. So we shouldn't have this subconscious fear that we're somehow disappointing God because we haven't shared the gospel with every person that we've ever seen or said hi to. What we should do instead is focus on sharing the gospel with the people that God has specifically placed in our lives. Now, does that group expand and change when you seek out opportunities to witness to those around you, and I hope you do. Yes, it does. It does. But my point is that generally speaking, I'm not responsible for sharing the gospel with the same people that you're called to share with 
and you're not responsible for sharing the gospel with the same people that I'm called to share with. And that's because we have different gifts with different families and different jobs to reach different people. That's missionarying as it should be. That's how God gets it done through all of us. So don't buy into the misunderstanding that it's all on you. And don't take on more burden than is yours to bear. The second way we take on a burden that is not ours in evangelism is that we feel that it is our responsibility to ensure good results once we have shared. We forget that this part is between God and the individual, and we forget that, it, that we don't do the work of salvation, that the Holy Spirit does. So those, those are the two misunderstandings that we often carry with us when it comes to evangelism. And as a result, we feel that we're called to do something that we're actually not equipped to do which ultimately keeps us from doing it in the first place. That said, we've covered our motivation for sharing and the obstacles that get in our way, but we still haven't addressed how and what we will do to share the gospel better this year. How do we pursue next level missionary in 2024? What's the plan as a church? Well, to put it succinctly, we will pursue next level missionary at Go Church by refocusing on our strategy from Acts 1-8 to effectively share the gospel locally, regionally, and globally. If you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Acts 1-8, where you can simply follow along on screen. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, keep in mind that even when the disciples heard this, there wasn't any one of them that went out and evangelized the entire known world by themselves. Okay, maybe Paul came close. But in all seriousness, this call was so much bigger than the apostles. And that's because it was meant for the entire church and all ages until Jesus returns. That said, we need to understand two main components that are important in Acts 1-8. First of all, Acts 1-8 is a strategy that is about location. There's a clear geographical structure at work in the words of Jesus. Jerusalem was ground zero for the early church. This was their home. This is where Jesus was. This is where Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2 later. For us, this is, this is Ridgefield, where we're called to share the gospel first. Then they were called to expand and move out to Judea and Samaria. This would have been the larger region surrounding Jerusalem and Samaria on the northern border of Judea. So for us, this is the surrounding towns and the city of Portland. After that, they were called to go to the ends of the earth. And for us, that still means we're called to go to the ends of the earth. But when it comes to the second component, if you've studied the book of Acts, then you probably know that this plan for the advancement of the gospel was about more than just location. It was also about the message going to the Jews first, to the Samaritans second, and ultimately to the Gentiles third. In fact, each time the disciples moved out and shared the gospel with one of these groups of people and they believed, the Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way to confirm that the gospel really was for them. Today, the good news has already initially gone out to the Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, but there's still a principle in all of this that we can apply, and that principle is this. Jesus wants us to share the gospel both in our comfort zones and outside of it. When, when the Jews shared in Jerusalem, they knew the people and the culture that they were speaking to. 
By the time they reached out to the other places in Judea, that was still mostly natural for them. But by the time they got to Samaria, they were, it, it, was, it was completely against every bone in their body. They were like, what are we doing here? And by the time they got to the ends of the earth, they were completely and totally outside of everything they'd ever known. Now, I believe there are two reasons for that. Number one is obvious. Jesus wanted everyone, both far and wide, to hear the gospel. But number two is that Jesus wanted the disciples to learn that the gospel message transcends culture. That even Samaritans and Gentiles can be saved. Or for us, that even the people from Portland and socialist countries can be saved. So Acts 1.8 really has two implications on our strategy for missioneering. First, it tells us that we should share the gospel locally and regionally, locally in Ridgefield, excuse me, regionally in our surrounding towns in the city of Portland and globally in foreign countries. And second, Acts 1.8 tells us that the gospel is meant to be shared inside and outside of our comfort zones. If you remember from last week, each area of our what portion of the vision has a corresponding tool that, that helps us get the job done. For example, the tool for sharing is Go Groups. The tool for worshiping is the worship service and so forth. But one thing to note is that when it comes to missioneering, we have tools for every portion of our strategy. We share the gospel locally by doing personal outreach and outreach events. We share the gospel regionally through church planning, and we share the gospel globally through missionary support, mission trips, and international church planning. So when it comes to next-level missioneering, we really don't need to add anything new. We just need to refocus on the strategy and tools that we already have. Because the reality is that the six tools that we have to accomplish missioneering aren't really being used in a way that they could be right now. So we're going to pursue next-level missioneering by refocusing on our strategy from Acts 1-8, and that means we're going to talk about returning to our tools for local, regional, and global evangelism. With that established, the first part of our missionary strategy is to reach out with the gospel locally in Ridgefield, Washington. Currently, we have two tools in place for local missioneering, outreach events and personal outreach. When it comes to outreach events, there is some overlap with what we want to do for blessing, because as I said before, they go hand in hand in both the Bible and in practice. So at things like Experience Ridgefield or the Fourth of July celebration in town, um, there's going to be a little bit of both. We're going to bless the community, but we're also going to share with them about our church, share with them about Jesus. But another kind of outreach event that we do that you may not have thought of as outreach is our Go Vets ministry and our Go Next ministry for youth. Well, I'm going to explain. While both of these ministries cater to believers, they also naturally connect to unbelievers who might not come to church otherwise. Youth want to go get to know youth. Veterans want to get to know veterans. But both youth and veterans may never want to step inside a church. So sometimes these ministries serve as a natural avenue for the gospel. In fact, I personally know people who became believers as a direct result of Go Vets and Go Next. However, the reality is that we won't accomplish next-level missioneering by simply continuing to do what we've already been doing. And so now we need to talk about what we can do better, which brings us to the tool of personal outreach. I think we have, we have grown a little bit too silent in our community lately. We need to do something about that. It's about time we started inviting our church to, our, our neighbors to church again. But we need to talk about how we're going to do that. Considering the fact that we have an early Easter this year, 
we're about to have an opportunity on our hands. So here's what we're going to do. Sometime in the month of March, we're going to get out into our neighborhoods to put on door hangers on doors, inviting people to join us for our Easter service. Why? Because door hangers work. There are several families in this church right now who came to try it all out because of a door hanger. The people I have on my mind right now are the Rileys. If you know Kim and Marty, then you know they're just, they're the salt of the earth. Marty puts out signs every week. Kim is always, and is today, back helping in the kids' ministry. And one thing we've talked about before is that they would not have known about Go Church if not for a door hanger. And while Kim and Marty have done so much to bless our church, I also believe that they would say that our church has had the opportunity to bless them and help them grow. And so now a family in our community has a local church that didn't have one before, all because a team went out into a neighborhood at some point to hang something up on their doorknob. That said, maybe some of you are wondering why I keep talking about inviting people to church when the main point of missioneering is sharing the gospel. And that's a perfectly fair consideration, but allow me to explain the reason behind that. When it comes to sharing our faith, there are two known methodologies today, attractional and missional. Those who favor the attractional method believe in sharing the gospel by inviting lost people to come and see Jesus, whether it be at their church or maybe a particular ministry. Those who favor the missional methodology believe in going out to the lost and bringing Jesus to them. At Go Church, we believe in both methodologies, and we also believe that both can be found in Scripture. I don't have time to go in depth today, but a perfectly biblical example of missional methodologies are taking Jesus to the people, to the lost, would be Mark 16, 15. And for attractional methodologies, check out John chapter 1, 40 through 46. But the point is, it doesn't matter how people hear about the gospel, as long as they're hearing the gospel. So when it comes to going out into the community and putting up door hangers to invite people to our church, I absolutely believe it will be an excellent way to use personal outreach to accomplish next-level missioneering in Ridgefield. However, the on, that's, that's only step one of our strategy. The second step is about reaching out with the gospel regionally in our Judea and Samaria. Now, I listed Portland last because that's like our Samaria for three reasons. Number one, nobody wants to go there. Number two, many people there believe a lot of kind of strange things mixed up with bits and pieces of the truth. And number three, most of us basically try to go around Portland if we can, even if it means more traffic. Now, if you know anything about the Jews and how they felt about Samaria, then you're trekking with me. You understand the connection here because they would go around Samaria. The Jews hated Samaria. But the thing is, they went anyway and decided to love the people enough to share the gospel with them. Because gospel transcends culture. That said, honestly, the thought of reaching out into all those different areas I listed, and the Portland area as well, is daunting. In fact, I, I, it feels like way too much for one church. And that's because it is. So we must do what the early church did to share the gospel in Judea and Samaria. We must plant churches. Can you imagine what the early church would have been like if it had just been, stayed limited to the Jerusalem church? I mean, we got no church of Philippi, uh, we got no church of Thessalonica, no church of Ephesus or Corinth. Uh, we got most of the New Testament is gone. Um, and that's because one of the reasons that the early church had such an incredible regional impact was that they planted churches. That's why planting churches is our tool to accomplish regional missionary. And frankly, it's one thing that we've been doing pretty well lately. 
After all, we did just send out our founding pastor to go plan in Portland. It's a way to go, church. However, we did not come this far only to come this far. In fact, I believe that we're just getting started. And with that, I should probably make something clear. I am not my dad, and you should know that I will be sticking around. When I talk about planting churches, I'm talking about sending others out. I'm not talking about sending myself out. And that's because in 10 years from now, I want us to be able to know that this is the place where it all started, where God showed up, where powerful church plants had their humble beginnings, where a movement to follow the Great Commission and start a great awakening in our region began. But the reality is that that isn't going to happen if we don't continue to pursue next-level missioneering in our region through church planting, if we grow complacent, if we think we've done enough, if we get sidetracked by being all about us, getting bigger, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're gonna fall short of what, what God has planned for this church. So let's not do that. Because in Acts 1-8, it doesn't stop there. We aren't just sent out by Jesus to preach the gospel locally and regionally, but we are ultimately sent out to preach to the ends of the earth, which is the third step in our missionary strategy. Now, when it comes to our plan for accomplishing global outreach, we actually have three tools. Missionary support, mission trips, and international church planning. Let's start with missionary support. Every month, a large portion of our tithes and offerings go to support missionaries overseas through something called the International Mission Board through the cooperative program. It's easy for me to, to know what, what they do and how they work because for several years, my sister was an IMB missionary. To put it in a sentence, our financial support... Equal, equals their enablement to share the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason for that is most, most international missionaries who are not a part of the IMB uh, spend a large portion of their time back in the United States for, the, for getting financial support so that they can continue their ministry. But IMB missionaries don't have to do that because they're already provided for so they can solely focus on their mission. But again, while this is something we do well as a church, how can we accomplish global missioneering better than we have been? Two words, mission trips. Mission trips are our second tool to accomplish global missioneering. If you've ever been on a mission trip, then you probably know how life-changing they are for both you and the people that you wind up ministering to. Two summers ago, our church went out on a small team, I was on that team, to go and share the good news about Jesus in Nicaragua was amazing. We went to go build houses for the poor in, in that community. We, we delivered um, foods and, and necessities um, for people that are just, you know, just living in a tiny little shack. But the, most importantly, we were sharing the gospel while we were doing that. We were saying, this is why we're doing it. This is why we're, we're helping you, because we've been helped, because we've been loved. Um, it, it was just amazing. Anybody that is here today that was on that trip, you know, it was God moved. God moved in an incredible way. There's just nothing like a mission trip to grow you spiritually. You think you're going, you think you're going there for them. And then you come back and you realize you've been changed. And you realize you're inspired to share the gospel where you live. It's kind of like a super tool. You think you've got a pair of pliers, then all of a sudden you've got a screwdriver, you've got a knife, you've got a pair of scissors, and some toenail clippers. Okay, I don't actually know of any multi-tools that have toenail clippers, but it would be a super practical idea, especially for long-distance hikers, like Pacific Crest Trail. Because I don't know about you, but if I try to cut my two-inch thick toenails with a knife, I'm going to draw back a stub. <laughs> anyway, 
I digress. From my own personal experience, I believe that mission trips are an absolutely life-changing tool for accomplishing global missioneering. So this year, we're going to grab onto that tool again and put it back into use by going back to Nicaragua through Project Hope. As a matter of fact, I already have the dates of the trip for you. We will plan to go on August 24th and arrive back on August 31st. Now, I know this is a ways out, but I want to encourage you to seriously start praying about it right now. Start praying about this opportunity, especially if you don't have your passport or maybe you need it renewed because those things take forever to get updated, like months. I'll also warn you that the trip costs money, but honestly, it's well worth the price. As for the specific trip, there are more important details that I will be sharing later this year, but my goal in the future is that we start having these trips at a minimum of once per year. For now, though, our opportunity will be in August, and I would absolutely love to know if you're interested and if you have any questions. Now, we have one final tool for global missionaring to discuss, international church planting. In a lot of ways, this tool is really the culmination of the other two. If we keep supporting missionaries and we keep going on trips consistently, then we'll naturally find our way into international church planting, which is really the goal. And the reason it's the goal is because it's the ultimate form of multiplication. The reality is that I've seen and experienced um, some amazing things on mission trips that I've been on, but when we can help the community we're serving plant its own churches, everything goes to a whole new level. Because a church plant is going to be there every week, and we can't be. So that's really the best thing we can do in the end, but it takes time, and it takes consistency. But in conclusion, we will pursue next-level missioneering in 2024 by refocusing on our strategy, which is to share Jesus locally through outreach events and personal outreach, share Jesus regionally uh, through church planning, and share Jesus globally through missionary support, mission trips, and international church planning. Now, I, I know this sounds like a lot. And if I've made you feel guilty or, or put down, then I've not preached the message that I wanted to preach today. I hope instead that you're feeling inspired and ready to join in with us as we aim to do better at missioneering, at sharing our faith. Remember, the compelling words of the Great Commission and the message of Acts 1.8 were never meant for one disciple to bear all by themselves. God is the one who does the work of salvation, and he has not asked you to share the gospel with every single person in the world. In fact, he's not even asked that of this local church. But what he has done is he has given you and he has given this church the privilege of sharing the good news about Jesus with those that we can influence locally, regionally, and globally. Frankly, though, we can have a great plan to share the gospel. But if we aren't actually motivated to do it in the first place, we're not going to get very far. It's not going to do us much good. So church, the question is really this. Do we love the lost like Jesus? I'm not telling you that you should share the gospel. I'm asking you if you want to. On that note, let me be 100% honest with you. I don't always want to. I don't always love the lost like Jesus did. But what I try to do is to continually ask the Lord to evaluate my heart and make it more like His. Because church, I believe that's our problem with sharing the gospel. It's in here. It's in our hearts. Most of us already know that we should, but the real issue lies in why we would. 
that said, I don't want to miss an opportunity that might be in this room right now. Maybe there's someone here today who doesn't know what the gospel is. It wouldn't be a surprise at all to me. There's a lot of confusion about the gospel and a lot of people who think they know what it is, who have heard what it is, that don't really know what it is. So let me start by explaining what the gospel is not. The gospel is not about going to church on Sundays. It's not about following all the right rules. It's not about saying all the right words. And it has absolutely nothing to do what you can do with what you can do in your own strength. The word gospel means good news. And it's not the good news that you can do something to save yourself. It's the good news that God himself, holy and perfect, came in the flesh, in the form of Jesus Christ, to die for your sins so that you didn't have to die for your sins. There's a reason there's pain and suffering in this world. And that reason is sin. If you don't believe me, just think about, on a very small scale, what happens when you make a selfish choice? What happens, what happens when you make a choice that isn't good? Well, it hurts the other people around you. It causes pain and suffering in their lives. It's the same on a global scale. The Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. And that is why Jesus died for you. Maybe you've heard that he died for you, but you didn't know why. That's why. Because he took your penalty. The penalty that was all of us to bear. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God took it on himself. In our, in our place. That's why he died for us. And he rose again to prove that he is God. Here in a minute, we're going to have um, some people in the back. We're going to have the band come up. We're going to have a last uh, song of worship. Um, and we're going to go ahead and, and pray. Lord, I, I pray for anyone in this room that isn't sure if they believed in the true gospel. Maybe they've heard what it is. Maybe they thought they knew what it is, but now they're not so sure. And I, I pray for that one that they would receive it. Your word says that we need to respond, that we need to respond to what you've done to us, done for us, by placing faith in you and in what you did and saying, Jesus, save me. I surrender my life to you. I pray that someone would do that this morning. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to say those words. Help us to say those words that are the motivation, that are the reason behind what we do when we bless, what we do when uh, anything, the reason we live our lives, it's because of what you did for us. Help us to say the words, those of us that know you. And help us to say the words as a church as we pursue Next Level Missionary this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.